please note, we are not giving expert medical advice. Our content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. If you do need to talk to someone, please look in the show notes where you'll find helpline phone numbers. Hello, lovely people. Welcome to episode four of We Are All A Bit Mental. It's a show where we aim to question and challenge the rather wonderfully complex and often slippery subject of mental health. I'm Chesney Hawks, and as always, I'm joined on the virtual sofa with uh, a big bowl of popcorn and Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block, and Neil Harrington. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Budge up on the sofa, Ches. <laughs> Today's title is Food Glorious Food. Ooh. I should sing that, really. Food Glorious, glorious food. food. There's nothing quite like, like it. it. We will be joined later on by the, I'm going to say it, I'm just going to say it, the one and only oh. Heston Blumenthal. Oh. Did you just uh, one and only? He did. I did. He did. I one and only someone else. There's not many people. That's true. <laughs> we'll send that to him, shall oh, we? yes. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even, you know, introduce myself that way, but Heston <laughs> deserves it, doesn't he? He does, actually. And uh, so one of the points he is keen to talk about is our relationship with food. So, uh, before we get Heston on, let's open up that conversation, shall we? Shall we talk about it, guys? I think we should kick off with guilty pleasures. Oh. Because I'm curious to know what delights and treats you lot hoover up when you fancy it and you're (laughs) left alone. So, if I set the scene, it's a day off, no family or anyone else around. Brandon, it's just you and all the voices in your head, mate. (laughs) No one else around. (laughs) Oh, dear. <laughs> Brandon is never alone. <laughs> Brandon and his friends. No chores to do. You're just sofa surfing. What are you troughing on as your guilty pleasures? Uh, so, so uh, you know what? Uh, my guilty pleasures are varied, and I have this very strange justification way of saying, right, I'm not going to have that chocolate today because that's probably too, you know, too unhealthy. But I will alternate with the more healthy option of uh, cacao, let's say, or, or 90%. But then the next day I'll go, well, I had a healthy day. See, now I'm going to have, <laughs> have a cheat day on the chocolate again. So my guilty <laughs> pleasures can be very, very, very varied. But uh, there are a lot. And you know what? Look, I'll be honest. My mum, bless her, she's had an eating disorder for years. I mean, since I could ever be aware of one. So we've discussed, mm. we actually had a discussion about it and, you know, um, it's very deep rooted, that stuff, you know, that's, uh, and I know for a fact it's the, the hardest of, let's say, the conditions that we, we end up with uh, to work on um, and people who have... Because it's so deep. It it's so deep because you, so far. your relationship yeah. with food starts when you're born, doesn't it? You know, There's yeah, also yeah. such a feminine thing to it, though. Like, all the women in my family growing up, I remember, like, be, when I was really young, knowing that one of the things that I needed to do <laughs> as a grown-up woman was to have problems with food. Because uh, every woman <laughs> that I met... It's your duty. <laughs> You've got to tick that box yeah. before you move on. We were like, oh, OK. One, these were my conundrums. I had to understand the difference between a pensioner and a virgin. I didn't understand that when I was little. Uh, I still don't, really. And then develop uh, some kind of and I, unhealthy relationship with, with food. food. Right? And, and I had to find things to be angry about periodically. <laughs> There's a remarkable thing that goes on, certainly growing up as female, where there was this weird thing going on, which is that um, any kind of food was somehow a bad thing. Right. 
that if you ate, it was like you were surrendering to something. And and the thing that I love the way that Heston's take is, is about his understanding of that really food is the thing that keeps us alive, right? We need it. Yes. It's like for everything. It's a fuel. Yeah. yeah. But for certainly growing up as a female in Scotland, I did recognise that uh, any time that a, a, a woman ate, it was seen as a defeat against health. Wow. Which I, I think is is still stayed. I and because I live with boys I don't really think about it. Um and now I I realise I don't really have an issue with food. I don't really think about it that way at all. But certainly through my twenties, everything was about this whole thing of purge and denial and all that crazy mm. shit. The reason I asked the guilty pleasure question was to actually cue us up for exactly what you're talking about, Lynn, what what can affect our relationship with food. So um, from what you and Brandon have both said, uh, you were affected quite early on. Oh, totally, totally. Ches, what about you? <laughs> oh, I think it's the same for everybody. I, I think that uh, it's established as a child, you know, through what your parents have given you, really. And uh, a relationship can be buried deep in the subconscious mind. You don't know... Uh, what you're doing, but uh, but it's because it, the subconscious mind is there to protect you, isn't it? So when you're on the couch eating your Ben and Jerry's ice cream or your um, deep fried Mars bar or whatever it is you're doing, uh, you don't know why you're doing it, but there's a deep rooted reason for it. Um, I think that the key is to become aware of what you're doing mm. it's, it's called unconscious eating isn't it yeah so uh you know it's, yes. a, it's a basically an unhealthy relationship with food but if it's like chrissy always says my wife she always her thing is like sitting on the couch with a bowl of potato chips doritos or something like that so now when she feels the urge to do that she she'll literally say right i'm gonna go and sit on the couch and i'm gonna eat my feelings and watch some crappy tv right <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of like there's an awareness there's an awareness to what she's doing uh in her own mind so there's a different energy to it you know than just kind of gorging on on chocolate when you don't really know why you're doing it but you just can't stop and then you hate yourself i was going to yeah, say yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. maybe because there's no denial involved there's less hating of oneself involved maybe that's <laughs> well, the way maybe. it works yeah yeah because you're accepting it and you're like okay i'm gonna go and do this now <laughs> yeah I saw a, um, a video the other day, uh, and it was like on a YouTube thing, and it was supposed to be funny, but it really wasn't. But this is, this is, I think, a classic example of our relationship with food. And it was this dad, and he was trying to get his son to eat something, a baby, oh, basically. Oh, yes, I've seen, I, think I've got it? A, I think so. And he's, and he's going to try and get, and the kid's like, mm, no, no, I don't want it. You know, and then, and then so, the, so the dad's in there, and then he just screamed in his face. Oh. Right, like really loud and nastily. And the kid just opened his mouth and yeah. he just put the food in and he, and he turned to the camera and went, well, hey, that kid now yeah. will equate eating f uh, food with, with this is the only way my daddy's going to love me. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way I'm going to be loved. Yeah. You know, so that, it was kind of like set right then and there for him. Wow. That's the kind of stuff I mean for like being set from a child. You know, it's, you just, like, it's like a mother, a mother saying to a, a little girl, you know, you've put on weight, you need to stop eating or you need to stop eating uh, oh, bad food or whatever. Hello, it is, you know? that's yeah. the thing of females growing up. Yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah, it's course. that whole thing of and and when a when a girl reaches adolescence, mm. that's when it all is is a weird old thing. It's funny. Yeah, the yeah. thing I think with food 
is it's one of those areas of life where we always assume that everybody else is doing it better. <laughs> yes. And so that, like, everybody else has got it sorted. It's just me, me with my fucking chocolate habit. It's me. And then that's why we rejoice when we see somebody who's so out of control with food. We're like, yes, yes, look at them. Look, they're worse than me, you know. Him gorging himself. Okay, everybody, it is time to introduce this week's guest. Now, you lot, we need to be on our toes because this fella is a little bit sharp, to say the least. (laughs) So to warm us up before we get him on, do any of you know the definition of the word polymath? The word polymath? Polymath. 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 Yeah. Polymath. Polymath. I don't know. Is it someone that knows a lot of stuff? The dictionary definition of the word polymath is an individual whose knowledge spans a substantial number of subjects known to draw on complex bodies of knowledge to solve specific problems. Wow. So I am going to introduce this fella as a multifaceted polymath. So get your thesauruses and dictionaries to hand, ladies and gentlemen. It's only Heston Blumenthal on our podcast. I think my surname might be the most complex word. You were talking about complex words, and maybe my surname might <laughs> fit into Oh, that. yeah, it's there. Yeah. We shall be discussing. <laughs> so, Heston, let me introduce you to uh, Lynn Ferguson and Chesney Hawkes. Lynn and Chesney, how are Hello, you? Hello, Heston. Very well. You're very good. Nice to see you. Good. You must be the only polymath I've met that can also make a really good pie. <laughs> polymath who could make a pie that's a prime polymath that one. it must be a new word Fantastic. for that polymath <laughs> talking of cooking credentials we'll get on to Ches's master chef uh, story oh, a little yes. bit later but anyway uh, before we do that Heston also someone you need no introduction to of course Brandon Block Hello, Hester, my mate. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? It's lovely to see you again. Yeah, you really, too. really appreciate you coming on and spending time with us. Oh, thanks for inviting me. So, uh, Heston, let's start off because fellow podcaster, uh, you have a podcast, Heston's Journey to a Centre of Food. Yes. And um, on your your show notes, your strapline is a forensic deep dive inside our food. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. It's sort of... Um, over the last 25 years, what I've been looking at, not sort of, what I, I got obsessed about was actually our relationship with food. So I've, I've, I became fascinated with the fact that just by changing the name of a dish, you can change its perceived saltiness. Or by changing the shape of the letters that you write a word in. So if you have a glass of, you can do it with a cup of coffee or a glass of, a good excuse, have a glass of wine, take a glass of red wine. Write wine in round, really rounded letters, so there's no jaggedy bits. And then on one piece of paper, the next, write the word wine in really sharp, pointy letters. And have a sip, same hand. Sip the wine looking at the soft, round letters, and then have a second sip looking at the sharp letters. Completely different wine. It's sharper, and you think, that's really weird. Mm. But in fact, it makes sense. Yeah, language evolved as a sort of... Um, an expression of, of, of facial and body movements and emotions and tonality um, inside us. And storytelling allowed us to become, we developed shared beliefs from religion to, to social media. And those shared beliefs allowed us to work in very large, greater numbers. And for me, the two most powerful shared beliefs are money and time. Wow. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. 
Oh, and chopping onions. <laughs> and making pies. And making pies. Oh, and making pie and making pies. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing, because I work in story, right? Yes. I believe that story was created in order to prolong the species. And that yes. all story fits into two categories, no matter how sophisticated it is. Yep. It's either fish or bear, right? Mm-hmm. So there's either like there's fish in that lake go in that direction, right? Yeah, yeah. Or there's a bear in that cave, don't go there. And every movie that you watch, every book that you read has fish or bear. So like when Harry met Sally is I was looking for fish, but I was standing at a lake or yeah. Schindler's List is in a time of bear, someone will bring fish. Like, all is related to that very primal thing. It's basically positive and negative charges. Totally. So you have attraction and repulsion. Attraction, repulsion, and our whole endocrine system, you know, if you think about cortisol and you think about adrenaline and and, and, that's, and those sort of hormones, which are fear-protective ones, or you think about mm. oxytocin, Do- or you dopamine. think about dopamine and all that kind of stuff, which is your attractive ones. So exactly. And I, you know, it, that whole concept of the hero you know the hero's journey um joseph campbell analyzed in the 60s i think the reason why we connect to all of these stories whether it's the bible or harry potter whether it's star wars or you know it doesn't matter um is because we're all on our own hero's journey and we can relate we can relate to those stages it's interesting though as you say that i think because people do have a weird uh, attitude with um, food and a weird attitude with story, right? Yeah. Which is that, I, like I say to my kids, right, whenever my kids have gone through a time, I'm like, look at the heroes in the stories. Look at your yeah. heroes. Are they ever the people who are sorted? Are they ever the people who are like, got it all together, are super popular? It's like the no. hero in a story is always the one that's a little bit off center. Yeah. Um, so we recognise that in story, but we tend to really reject it in ourselves. Ah, that, that. And similarly with food, I think that people, uh, the more sophisticated we've become about food, the more we feel like we ought to deny ourselves of it. Yes. You know, like I live in LA and people seem to really think that there's some great bravery in really liking something and not eating it. <laughs> it's so true. I'm like, ah, I don't really understand that. I think it's like if you talk about, say, for example, in AA, they talk about recovery. But actually, it's not recovery, it's abstinence. Yes. And I think suppressed anxiety or unaware, when you're, when you're unaware of your stress, you get an inflammation of the autoimmune system. Yes. And that's exactly what's, what, what I think is going to be happening in the next five years, as enhanced by the situation that we're in. We, we're living in a world of more anxiety. And in fact, you know, if you look at, if you look at, say, for example, the position of being um, in the past, a, a well-known person, a celebrity, and celebrities, famous people, they don't suffer more or less than any other human being. However, if they do get criticism, they just get it in front of an awful lot more people. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Um, that's the difference. But no one suffers more or less than anybody else. And we yeah. seem to have got into, uh, into a general situation of we're in a more judgmental society. We're more fear-driven than ever before. And, and there's, um, there was a great quote by the Dalai Lama who said, what's surprising most about humanity? And he said, man, because he <laughs> sacrifices, he, as the, he obviously when you say man, it's he or she, but he sacrifices... Um, Just check. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, sacrifices his health to make money. Yes. 
Then he sacrifices his money to get his health back. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't live in the present. He lives in the past based on the, based on the concerns of the future. He, he lives as if he's never going to die and then dies having never really lived. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's a, that's a really... That's a hell of a quote, quote, that one. Yeah. The nature of civilization is to make us discontent with who we are. Yes. If we're discontent with who we are, totally then we agree. will... Work. 100%. That's why positive thinking, I think, is a load of bullshit. It, it's bullshit. Because... <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> It's irony. Let's go on stage with Tony Robbins and Heston can stand next to him and go, bullshit. No, because if we talk about normality, our baseline is suffering. Because if without suffering, we don't have adversity, we need adversity to be able to grow. in our lives, exactly. We we need it. And that's that's not, I mean, you know, you can take Nietzsche's comment of pleasure and pain, but that's how our endocrine system developed to keep ourselves alive. And then we kept ourselves alive being a, by being able to work in increasingly larger numbers and language and storytelling and gossip and politics and, 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 and propaganda and, and, and all of these things. You know, you can argue the language was also designed to, 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 to hide emotions. Of course it is. And it, but it, it connects ourselves. We connect so well with the outside world, but what we need to do ourselves. is actually is to put our wellies on and our, and, our, and our wetsuit and go inside. And it's a, it's a pretty dark place for, you know, it's whether you can go in and pull stuff That's out. That's great. Yep. I've tried to articulate this a long time ago and you've just done it for me as well. We live in a, a lower level of, not happiness, it's below that. It's a level of stress, anxiety, yeah. fear, whatever it is, have you said? Yeah. And a, mm. On a constant. So our yes. levels either go up from there or down from there. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of a, a guy called Dr. Gabo Mate? Yes. That book he wrote, uh, which was um, um, When the Body Says No, is all about that the modern, the, the, all the diseases of the modern world, which range from type 2 Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, cancer, um, dementia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all stem from an inflammation of our immune system through um, burying childhood, stress developed through childhood, yeah, like trauma. Un- unaware stress, yeah, and it creates an infl- inflammation of the immune system. So you could be 40, but have an immune system of, a, of an 80-year-old and not, and not, and not realise it. In the next room here, we've done, we've done lots of experiments of these, based on a Japanese professor who took it from... It's gone on for years, this sort of idea that uh, you take three jars of rice, same rice, same water. The, the middle jar you ignore, and the other jar you you give you you give uh, you know your stupid use is pathetic. You call him a <laughs> yeah, call him a <laughs> not with a Q. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> and what happens is the jar, and it, we've done this eight or nine times over two months. The jar that's been given the love and gratitude, the rice, the water on top of it goes slightly golden, smells fermented like in a soft, fresh cheese way, but slightly honeyed sweet and floral. The one that's been given um, abuse goes like an overripe, sort of slightly mouldy cheese. The one that's been ignored is covered in rot, goes black. It goes black. Mm. And um, so we, the one I told Brandon, I've got two jars of red rice at the moment in two cupboards about 15 feet away from each other. They've got a radio next to them. And every morning at half past eight, 
Martin Luther King's speech comes on to one jar and Hitler comes on to the other. That's amazing. The Martin Luther King one, the water on top is, is clear. The Hitler one, it goes black. Wow. Now, emotion is vibrational and energy. Every life, bit of life form has carbon in it. And water is the, is the mechanism for transferring vibrations. And if you believe in string theory, particle physics, all, you know, quantum, everything is basically a, a vibrating wave, series of particles and vibrating waves, all interconnected. And emotion is energy in motion. Mm. And so 72% of the planet and our bodies are water. We cook with water, we drink water, we, we, we're full of water. And so... The vibrational energy when you're stressed, you can feel it in your gut. When you're stressed, you, 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 hence gut feeling, is very different to when you, we all, I think we all want to love and be loved in return. All of us. Mm. Of course. That's a natural thing. But we're living, in a, we're living in a world that is dominated by money and dominated by time. Mm. And we think we want to live, we want to live longer. And, and you think, well, for me, Alzheimer's and dementia is just about the worst thing I could imagine happening to me because imagination, memory, and creativity, for example, are three of the most uniquely beautiful human attributes that everyone has. Mm. And as Picasso said, everyone is born an artist. The difficulty is to remain one as you grow older because language and society also instills in us all the rights and wrongs and morals and et cetera, et cetera. Narrative doesn't say what is good or bad. What it asks you, what is clear and what is unclear, right? Yeah. And that when you can see something clearly, then there is a way through it. So, for example, yeah. if your jar of rice could say, well, you know, I was like in this jar, they completely f ignored me. I'm feeling yeah. a bit, you know, woolly yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Then yeah. you can deconstruct it. I just, I want to say that because I, I spoke to someone earlier on and they wore, like, the bad things that had happened to them, like badges of honour. Mm. That's like victimhood, isn't it? But it's a pattern. People take on patterns. Well, they're making a competition of their suffering. They don't want to let it go, that's why. But there's also a thing where society tells us what's important. Like, if I ask someone to tell me a story about their lives, they'll often try and tell me the one that's got the big f Michael B. car chase in it, when actually <laughs> yeah. that's probably not that important. It might yeah. be how they make their tea in the morning, it might be the way that they say goodnight to their kid. Like, the way that they are interesting is not always the big thing. It can be the no. tiny thing, but we are taught to believe in patterns. Completely agree. We need patterns and contrast. And I think that if you could teach kids, if we could teach kids and adults to take responsibility for their own emotions. That's not blame. Blame is completely different. So if I feel, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here like a, some Buddhist monk. You've got the haircut for it. It's wonderful <laughs> stuff. Share it all with us, brother Heston. Uh, you know, uh, in the moment, it's one of, somebody said recently, well, uh, the greatest freedom we have is the freedom to choose how we emotionally react to a situation. It's the greatest freedom because also it can be the most difficult thing to do. So oh. if you feel rejected, you feel jealous, you feel, you feel humiliated, you feel ashamed, for example, it's because you feel ashamed. It's because you feel rejected. Because if you feel happy, if you feel ecstatic, if you feel really excited, whatever, if you feel love and you feel gratitude, it's because of those feelings. But what we tend to do is say, I'm angry, you made me angry. Well, no one injects you with anger. 
Mm. No one does that. So if you, but it's such a hard thing to do in the moment. And this comes back to our endocrine system and education. One of the biggest problems here is that, yeah, let's go, let's go, go to Mars and let's find cheaper ways of bringing food to people. But we throw 30 plus percent of our food away. And I find it absolute unforgivable that there should be anyone on this planet when there's so much food and water to go around that shouldn't have access to that. So if mm. we could just, my, my work now, and I'll shut up in a second, I promise, <laughs> um, is that if we, and we won't be able to remember this every time, but if we can be with the use of the senses, so what's, you know, what, how's my gut feeling? If I smell from this nostril or this nostril, I, or I, you know, I, I write, look at these letters or listen to this piece of music and this piece of music, my, my glass of wine um, uh, tastes different. Oh my God, I've just discovered something new about my relationship with food. So if we can value more mouthfuls, then we've, we're aiming to feel fulfilled as opposed to feeling full. And we will naturally eat less and value more, which means there'll be more food to go around and there'll be less of a problem and then we're, and et cetera, et cetera. If you look at hunter-gatherers, normally the men would go tracking and hunting and the women would go foraging. So they, the, the, the women developed a generally a, a more advanced sense of smell than men because you don't know what you're going to put in your mouth if it's going to kill you or not. So men developed, uh, their sense of direction developed, but women's sense of smell, if you ask me what I'd rather have, we've got GPS now, we've got no, uh, that, that, that's easy. Don't need so that we, anymore. us men have, have gradually working ourselves out of life and we deserve it, to be honest. Out of a job. Uh, what one would you rather have has to depend on how farty the person you live with is. <laughs> Do you know, I had this idea, this is a couple of years ago, that there's a stand-up, I wanted to create stand-up for farting day. Because... Of course you did. If we don't fart, we explode, we die. Yeah. And And... Uh, the food that's good for the, uh, the microbes in our lower gut uh, is the f food with higher, fi more fibrous food. Um, so, that, so those little guys down there, we've got more microbes in each of us than uh, stars in the universe, 100 trillion mm -hmm. plus. And they, the, we are made of our microbes. They, we eat for them. And, um, and so that activity for them to break down the fiber creates gas. So things like, uh, that's why artichoke, anything really fibrous, creates a lot of gas and i saw another <laughs> dalai lama he was in he was on the so on a sofa on stage in melbourne he was talking about happiness and he started talking about farting <laughs> and he said that basically it used to be before the victorian times it was okay to fart. i'm not talking about farting in your missus face and anything, anything like that but actually it's a natural Smooth thing talker. <laughs> and so the idea is that actually in schools you know kids love it and stuff what happens as a metaphor for, for blocking something that is so natural that if we don't do, we die, and it, there becomes a stigma to it, as a metaphor for not being able to be vulnerable mm -hmm. instead of embracing vulnerability as a, as, as a, as a strength. So I thought, God, but imagine one day a year, you just, fart one you day, you just, fart day. National Fart Day, you get it, and you get it funded by, you know, National Heart Foundation. No, Heinz uh, would fund that. <laughs> 
That's a great idea. <laughs> How far are you with that project then, Heston? Where where are we with, with National Fart Day? Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, <laughs> I just think that if we can be more vulnerable, if we can actually go inside and actually look at ourselves, we're all... Um, we all suffer. We're all damaged heroes. All of us. And we all fart. And we all break wind, yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so if there was a way to do that, to actually, you know, like, like you said, Lynn, the sort of social media connected thing about, you know, here's me in my Ferrari and here's me, here's me on the beach and here's me on the so-and-so. Well, mm. what, about, what about, you know, you doing... You You're so Here's me farting. <laughs> if you need any more ambassadors for your fart day, I think you may have another four here. <laughs> okay, brilliant. <laughs> In an unexpected change to the format, we've not said our goodbyes to Heston. We have sadly run out of time in today's episode, so oh. we're going to pick it up where we left off next week. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, there you go. There's a tease. Dun, dun, right? It's a tease. It's a cliffhanger. It's our first cliffhanger. Yeah. I really, I, I <laughs> always, so I had a thing. If my name was Hanger, if my name had been Lynn, Lynn <laughs> Hanger, gonna... I would have called my son Cliff. <laughs> Were you I, really? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be brilliant to have a. Imagine if your Thanks, name Mom. was my name is Hanger Cliffhanger. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be like inviting him to a party and wondering whether he's going to come. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> anyone, has anyone seen Cliff? Has anyone seen Cliff? No, uh, I've seen him since last season. <laughs> 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 come, on, come, come away from the edge. <laughs> but I mean, what, what a wonderful guest. Nice, what energy, really. though. I mean, it, Brandon, we've got someone that talks more than you no. on the show. <laughs> and it, it, not even a snigger. <laughs> no, didn't even smile. Did polite he? smirk. Nothing. Not even a polite smirk. He's had a sense of humour failure. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> That's that's unusual. All right then. Okay, I will. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. What what energy? What what energy and um... intellect as well? My God, yeah. amazing. you know, when you see those things he does, you know, I mean, you just think, where does that come from? To start where does with, it come from? Yeah, where, you know yeah. that like recreating. We've seen the shows when you recreate, you know, just the most amazing things with food. It takes, you know, makes a gravy out of. Wine gums, you know, and 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 whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's... but he's also an art form for him. Yeah, it's almost a bum steer, a curveball to think of him as as a chef in a way. Well, it's it's almost yeah, doing artist. him short, yeah, isn't it? He's, totally. He's, he's you know that's just not what you describe him as. He's a polymath. He's a polymath. There you go. Yeah. yeah is happy song time then everybody and this week Ches you are in the hot seat so come on tell us <laughs> what you have got for us then <laughs> well this week I've chosen the Fraggle Rock theme <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Yay! <laughs> do you want to tell always us makes why, me smile. <laughs> why, why, why we play always, it how do you want to do I'm, it's, I was the perfect I was the target demographic for Fraggle Rock and I mean just what a fantastically happy little tune it is. <laughs> this is brilliant. Your interpretation is Chesney's brilliant. My version of it. <laughs> Worries for another day. Let the music play. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock. Come on. Away. Dance 
taking us back to our childhood to those happy times, right? That's what it is, isn't it? But that's exactly what it's doing to me, yeah. <laughs> if you listen carefully, you'll hear my background going, Wee! <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be a fraggle at heart. Hey, listen, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm channeling my inner fraggle. Down in Fraggle Rock. Oh, how good's that, man? <laughs> yeah, it's going to make you smile. Takes me back to my, my youth, watching that with my, my brother and sister on a Saturday night. I mean, just that carefree days, oh, guys. Carefree man. days. And well done, mate. Your version of it was spot on, and we enjoyed your little cartoon voices. I have to thank my, my uh, guitarist, Martin, for, uh, for doing the, the guitars and the track for that. I Lobster just did the Martin. vocals. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Ches. Well done. Thank you for the happy song. Okay, Brandon, let's wrap it up. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you could tell a friend about us and also give us a like or share on the socials, we'd really appreciate it. And also, just a reminder, if you join up to our mailing list, either on the socials or at our website weareallabitmental.com we can send you all the bonus material exclusives and funnies and please keep sending in your stories and life experiences we love them here um, we're, we're getting some fabulous letters through about all your personal battles um, and struggles in life and we will be talking about those and using them for inspiration in future episodes so please contact us hello at weareallabitmental.com so thank you for listening now don't forget to join us again next week when we will pick up and continue with our guest... The one and only... <laughs> Heston Blumenthal. Woo! <laughs> Until then, I've been Lynn Ferguson. He's been Brandon Block. He's been Neil Harrington. He's been Chesney Hawks. And we are all a bit mental. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to We're All A Bit Mental with Chesney Hawks. Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. Written, produced, directed and engineered for Source Productions by Neil Harrington. With plenty of help from Lynn, Brandon and Jess.